Hey, I'm Erica. And I'm Lucy. And every week we watch bad movies and objectify the hot actors that star in them. The movies may be good. Or they may be bad. But it doesn't matter because we're discussing how hot the actors are. And let's be honest, that's why we bought the ticket. We recap and rate the movie and cap it off by discussing the star's charity work. Because Because being being a a good good person person is the sexiest trait of all. Listen on Stitcher or badmoviesgoodbutts.com. Welcome to episode 22. Mm-hmm. I always think yes. I'm wrong about that. I don't know why. I have like counting. What episode do you think it is? <laughs> I'm always, I'm like behind by one. I thought it was 21. But then it would be an Outlander week. I know. It's not an Outlander week. I don't know what to tell you except that my brain and basic addition don't. It's not even, adi- it's counting. It's not even addition. It's counting. It's even worse than I thought. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Okay, so let's say what we're both doing this week anyway. I am doing episodes one and two of HBO's Girls because those are half-hour episodes, so don't worry. It's not going to be like a super long first half. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to just talk for three hours and then Erica has like five minutes. I am doing Bridget Jones' Diary, which is a classic, but also a little sad because I realized when I was doing this that it is 20 years old. Which makes me feel very old. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. I totally remember when it came out. Yeah. I went to go see it in theaters with my mom. Yes. And yeah. like. And then watched it as an adult and was like, whoa, whoa. Like there were a lot of jokes that I did not get when I saw it. Yeah. Kid. Yeah. You were you were young when it came out. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're doing Bridget Jones because I just did a comfort watch of the 1995 Pride and Prejudice. Nice. The first time that Colin Firth was Mr. Darcy. I mean, (sighs) I don't know what it is about him because by, like, hotness standards. He's not. He's not, but he's incredibly attractive. Yeah. I think he seems, like, just very English. He does. He does. And (laughs) he seems, I do think that just no matter what character he's playing, he seems nice. You know what I mean? Yes. Like there's just always. There's, yes. And I don't mean that in that his acting is bad. I mean that in no matter how he's supposed oh, to portray it, somewhere yeah. in the background, you're like, this is a good person. Yes. And I think that the that another reason that that's like a thing is because his since his like big break was Mr. Darcy in the mm-hmm. 1990s. Mm-hmm. And the whole character of Mr. Darcy is like, at first you think he's a dick, but then you realize mm-hmm. he's actually like this mm-hmm. really morally upstanding, like good guy. Mm-hmm. Like bananas it is um it is. okay so so i've never seen girls okay well i mostly wanna... because i don't care for lena dunham like as a human being yeah no nobody does um well so <laughs> sorry I to anyone listening my... who might <laughs> i want to get through mine like extra quick right no because i like yours better anyways but um <laughs> i say in my first note girls was created by lena dunham or as i like to call her the reason everyone hates white millennial women yes and if i thought we were all like her i'd hate us too she basically tried to be like I'm a Hollywood outsider. Look at my body. And her parents are both famous artists and yeah. or directors. She had a short film made when she was like 20. Like, yeah. you're not an outsider because you're a little chubby. Sorry. Yeah. Like, you don't get to gentrify yeah. Brooklyn because your BMI is technically overweight. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you're if you're an outsider probably because you're an unpleasant human. <laughs> and people don't enjoy being she, around you. But she wasn't an outsider. Like, the only reason she was saying she wasn't even an out, like, she wasn't, she was an outsider for no reason. And still, if you talk to people, like, in the biz, like, Judd Apatow produced and directed some of these. Um, Pete Holmes is a comedian who I really have a lot of respect for, mm-hmm. and he, like, works with her and likes her a lot, too. Like, it, it, she's not, in no way is she an outsider. She was just like, I'm chubby, meh, which is like. That's not a thing. No, that's not a thing at all. You th- You think that. 
So it was like the, she was like wanting to get cast and like roles right. that like Giselle was going out for. Right. Because like then, yeah, it would be a disadvantage. But I don't think you were, first of all. Right. And second of all, even if you were, like people got other problems, honey. <laughs> so, right. It's not like you're not finding work. Right. Clearly. So Girls stars Lena Dunham as Hannah, Allison Williams as Marnie before she was a scary racist serial killer, Jemima Kirk as Jessa, and Sosha Mamet as Shoshana. And I don't know about her specifically, but all of those other women have parents somehow in the industry. Yeah. And clearly did not have to work as hard for where they got, which for a show about four white women, it would be cool if that was intentional, but it wasn't. (laughs) Like, you could have gotten away with saying it was intentional, but it clearly was not. And it also stars A1 Mr. Adam Driver, Kylo Ren himself. And this show was like his big break. And the first time I saw it, when it came out in the summer of 2012, I hated him. I thought he was weird looking. I thought he was a dick. I thought he couldn't act. And then he was Kylo Ren. I mean, he is weird looking and he, he might be a dick, but he can act. <laughs> he is. He's very weird looking. And he like an interviewer one time, like somehow pointed it out to him or like alluded to that. He's like unconventional looking or whatever. And Adam Driver's like, yeah, I mean, like, that's what you're going to write about. Right. Like I was a Marine and then I went to Juilliard and how I look like that's what people always write about me. Like he's like, I get it. I'm weird looking like you don't have to write about it in everything you write about me. Like you could take a break from that, which is so fucking rude. For, like, people to just, like, blatantly, so, you're weird looking. How do you feel about that? I mean, (laughs) I totally get it. But I will say, it's nice that they're doing it to men now, too, and not just to women. Like, I appreciate, Adam Driver, that you're sick of it. But thank you for, like, taking one for the team and, like, letting it not just be women that get those comments about, like, their looks or their hair or their body. That's true. So, when he was Kylo Ren, he was, like, wounded and, like, needed a woman to like save him and so then after that i was like is adam driver hot now it was like <laughs> so stupid i just always think it's funny when you see him without his shirt on just because the bod and the face don't match like his face says i'm a gangly skinny white boy his bod says i'm a professional athlete like they don't yeah like he can don't, play in the nfl yeah they don't go crazy. together yeah so the pilot opens with Hannah at dinner with her parents and they tell her that they're not going to financially support her anymore. Oh, boo. Oh yeah. my God. I'm so sorry for yes. her. And like any entitled millennial, she's like, mm, say what now? She's like fighting them on it. And we learn that she's been in an unpaid internship for two years and they've been covering all of her bills, rent, phone, everything. I feel like unpaid internships did get a boom during this time. So it premiered in 2012. So she would have graduated college in 2010, so, like, right after, you know. Yeah, like, that's around the time, because I graduated college in 2007. And, like, unpaid internships, like, you you could not find a paid internship to, like, save your life. Like, not even minimum wage. Yes. Like, you were just working. Like, you should be glad you were getting experience. Like, it was was awful. And just to be clear, they were getting a boom at that time in, like, from 2007 to 2010. Well, they're still like, you know, a thing that people can get now. But I feel like now people have realized what I'm about to say, which is that they're fucking evil. Yeah. People were so desperate. Like you just said, like you couldn't make money, but you can you get experience. You're getting experience and you're treated horribly. And then after that, you go to your other full time job because you have to do something to make money. So you're being held hostage by capitalism. And also another thing that happened largely was this people like Hannah. And by that, I mean, upper class white people Mm -hmm. had parents who could afford to support them while people of color more commonly couldn't afford to take Mm -hmm. unpaid Mm -hmm. internships and then the rich person has a leg up which they Mm -hmm. already had because they're white Mm -hmm. and so that it It just perpetuates the cycle and that's how systemic racism works kids it's such a thing like (laughs) no i distinctly remember this in college because one of my professors was like why aren't you taking an internship one summer and i was like well because i 
Like I have to work. Like I need, I need an income. And he was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I mean, I'm a human and I need my money parents to are food. like, this is all oh, that damn. we're helping you with. So figure the rest out yeah. for yourself. Yeah. And I can't, I can't not work. And then by the time my youngest brother graduated from college, he got had a paid internship and it was like, of course they were everywhere. Cause mm-hmm. it was like, Oh, we realized that nobody fucking wants this but, shit. But, right. No one can work a hundred hours right. a week. Right. <laughs> I usually am later in my summary about, no, I support it. Hannah, I have a real burn my butt about unpaid internships. Yeah, no, they're awful. <laughs> Hannah tells her parents that they're actually really lucky and should keep supporting her because she could be a drug addict. And her parents are oh like, God. what? No, we're not. No. Wow. So then it's the next morning and Hannah and Marnie are spooning in her bed. If any of my friends ever tried to spoon me, I would be like, don't fucking touch me. If Sam Hewen tried to spoon me, I would be like, "Is how long is this going to go on for? You know, like, I, d- no, no. <laughs> so we're learning about Lucy's feelings about touch because definitely in the college time of my life, my friends and I would have totally spooned in a twin bed. Okay. And it would not have been a problem. Okay. I did. I did say in my notes, I think that's like a me thing because I've known other <laughs> women friends who would do that. And I definitely spoon with a man. I, I miss, I miss so, being the little spoon. Yeah, but they're so hot. Like temperature wise. Yeah, but I'm so always hot. cold. I am always cold too, but it gets to the point where I'm like, I'm sweaty and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> then I wrote, also, why is the name of the show girls? These are all grown women and men don't respect us as it is. Can we please call it full grown ass adult women? <laughs> HBO, start that show, please. They Hannah. did. It was called Sex in the City. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Okay, got it. <laughs> Hannah and Marnie get up and Marnie's boyfriend, Charlie, is in the kitchen of their apartment. He and Marnie have obviously been dating for a really long time and are super serious. And she very clearly cannot stand him. Oh, nice. Yeah. He goes in to kiss her and she looks like repulsed. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So the spooning thing, like we've already covered, like, okay, that's like a me thing. Like, I get that. This is not a thing that girlfriends do. Like, don't. Like this, I know for sure, is not just a me thing. Hannah's in the bathtub eating a cupcake. It's not that. I've definitely done that. I probably did it like last month sometime. It's not that. She's in the bathtub eating a cupcake. Marnie is shaving her legs on the side of the tub while Hannah is oh, in the bathtub Oh, yeah. No, that's weird. That's super, super weird. gross and gross. Like, even when I had female roommates, that was not a thing. And I distinctly remember one time I had, like, I had to get in the bathroom for something. My roommate was taking a bath. And I was like, I'm going to pull the curtain closed. Like, I don't know what to tell you. This is, like, shared living space. Maybe taking a bath when we're all home was not a great idea. Like, I don't, I don't know what to <laughs> tell you. I've had roommates do it to me before, like, knock on the door and be like, um, so you've been in there for a pretty long time. I was like, oh, sorry. Like, right. Oh, like, no. hate to break it to you. I need some tampons before I go. Like, we're going to have to figure it out. But also, like. If I we wouldn't be like sharing bath water. No. <laughs> Baths are kind of, I love a bubble bath, but people are always like, but you're just sitting in your own like juices. 100% which, you're, like, you're stewing in your own filth. I don't want to stew in my Correct. friend's leg hair filth. 100%. 100%. Like, no. It's also the reason why I didn't understand taking baths when I shared a bathroom. Like I never took baths when I had roommates. Because everybody else's juices. Yeah. <laughs> I love go to bubble bath, but even that is like a bit much. So Hannah says that Marnie slept in her bed last night to avoid Charlie. And Marnie says, yeah. (laughs) And she says that his touch feels like a weird uncle's. Oh God. Marnie says she has to end it. And Hannah says, (laughs) that's bad. Yeah. And Hannah says, no, you can't because he'll go all say anything, which we've already discussed is extremely problematic. Or he'll kill himself, which we have also discussed is extremely problematic. Because he won't. Right. And also 
Hannah, if your best friend is unhappy in her relationship, you tell her, yes, you should get out of that relationship. Yeah. Marnie says when Charlie loves her so much, it makes her hate him. And Hannah says Marnie's sick of eating him out because he has a vagina. Because once again, what better way to insult a man or anyone than by saying that they're a woman and have a vagina. Excellent feminism and writing. The worst thing that could possibly happen to someone. If they have a vagina. Mm -hmm. We see another woman, Jessa, getting out of a cab. She's very boho chic. She's moving in with her cousin Shoshana. Jessa is British and very bohemian looking shoshana is wearing like a juicy tracksuit. <laughs> she's love it super talkative and bubbly love it hannah and marnie are leaving for their respective jobs which marnie is a young 20 something who works at an art gallery i feel like i knew like half a dozen 10 women who went to school for art history and not a single one of them got paid like so much as to visit a museum <laughs> let alone actually was like all these young women go to college and like major in art history thinking that they're gonna like run an art gallery and not i've never known a single one of them to do it i oh, we might have to cut this this is gonna be kind of a long long explanation but there was this show on bravo for a little while about this like high-end thrift store in new york city like it was like high-end like consignment shops like they only took like designer items and they like so a lot of their clients were, like celebrities or models you know who would like get free clothes but it was like okay but i can't like i need money i'm just marveling at how i'm i watch every bravo show under the sun i, I, don't, know, this I one. don't know i miss this one <laughs> um but <laughs> one of the qualifications for working there because it was a designer consignment shop and so they would obviously get like vintage pieces was an art history degree <laughs> because then they would know apparently about famous old fashion yeah, no not a thing yeah, that's hilarious to me but i also never knew anyone who worked in anything like that like right. everyone that yes. i know who majored in art history is like an english teacher or something like <laughs> um they might be an art teacher if they're lucky yes yeah if they're lucky <laughs> marnie is encouraging hannah to tell her job that they need to start paying her or she has to look elsewhere and she needs her to be able to afford rent or charlie will move in and i mean it's a real thing (laughs) hannah says bills don't pay themselves yes and i have known so many people who move in together for the financial benefit and that is such a bad idea oh relationship wise that's an awful idea just be broke it's more worth it to be broke i promise you that's like having a kid to save a relationship like it's not gonna work and it's such, such a bad decision but i have also had roommates who thought that like if they just didn't have the rent i could cover them oh uh no boo oh my goodness no wow yeah that's that's not a thing (laughs) hannah says well charlie won't move in because you're breaking up with him and marnie's like i never said that hannah says she texted adam about (laughs) she texted adam about tonight so apparently she and marnie have plans for tonight and there's a person named adam and it's not adam driver but he didn't it is it is adam he's confusingly named adam in the show so she texted Adam about tonight, but he didn't text her back. <laughs> and Marty says, Hannah, listen to me. He never, ever texts you back. <laughs> the sad part is, Lucy, you and I are having still having these same conversations with each other. I know. <laughs> And we're, so and we're in our 30s and we're in our 30s and we're still like why did you think that was gonna be different oh my god well okay. we'll never learn no so we learn that there are plans 
are a welcome home dinner for Jessa. And Marnie doesn't like Jessa. She clearly thinks she's pretentious. She says that Jess is always just coming around for like a week and Hannah goes on like a bender. And then Jessa moves back to Europe and Marnie has to pick up the pieces, which like how bad of a bender is that? Like my, I've never been like so hung over that my friends like need to take care of me. You know, like that's some Charlie Sheen shit. No. Yeah. I mean, I've been so hung over. I've just laid in bed all day. Yeah. But I've never needed like no one needs to come to my ca- aid. Caretaker. Yeah. 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 Hannah says that Jessa, she thinks Jess is fun. Marnie says Jessa wasn't so fun when she fucked Carolyn's boyfriend. Oh my. Yeah. And Hannah says, well, she didn't fuck your boyfriend. And Marnie says that's because he was in Prague that semester. <laughs> At Shoshana's, we're learning more about Jessa. And I have to agree with Marnie. She is pretentious as fuck. Shoshana has a Sex in the City poster. Jessa says she's never seen that movie. And Shoshana says, oh, you've only seen the show. And Jessa says, was it a show? Um, they have HBO in England, bitch. Yeah. Okay, get it. Everybody knows what fucking Sex in the City is. I mean, they pre- they premiered the second movie in London. Like, come oh, did on, they really? you know what it is. Oh yeah, that was a big like problem. What? Why? Because it's Sex in the City, so like New York is like a character of the show. Yeah. But they premiered the second movie in London, not in New York City. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah. Agreed. Shoshana is like doing the like, oh my god, I'm a Carrie. Like, you're a Samantha. Like, blah blah blah. She's doing all that. Jess has no idea what she's talking about. She tells Shoshana about all the traveling she's been doing, and she clearly also thinks Shoshana's obnoxious, which kind of is, but I don't like Jess either, so it's fine. You're obnoxious too, just in a different way. At Hannah's job, it looks like she works for a small publishing company. She tells her boss that her circumstances have changed and she can't afford to work for free, which I would have been, I've never had an unpaid internship, but I would have been terrified to have that conversation. So like the fact that she just like goes right into them and is like, my circumstances have changed and I can't afford to work for free yeah. anymore. And I would really like to work here unless you want to, like, I feel like that's a really mature way yeah, for sure. of handling that. Especially if she's worked there for free for two, two years. years. Yeah. And her boss is like, well, I've got about 50 internship requests a day. So bye. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's the risk you run. And Hannah's like, no, I'm not quitting. I just need to eat. And he says, when she's hungry enough, she'll figure it out, which is exactly what I said. Unpaid internships are not ethical. Do not take them. Capitalism is the devil. Hannah leaves the office and calls someone. She says she just left a friend's house that's near their place. And the person on the other end clearly invites her over. And it is a very disappointing looking Adam Driver. (laughs) Adam Driver looking a hot mess. As the show progresses, he will get hotter. He reaches peak hotness around like season four, which I think was might have been the last season. But anyways, for right now, he inexplicably has a bowl cut. Yeah. And he's not like right now, like we were talking about, like he's like built for real yeah and he's not as cut as we've seen him he's not like kylo ren shape at the moment he's still super in shape because he had been a marine yeah and like if i saw an average guy like that on the street i'd be like mm, hello right, you know right. but like he is not movie star hot yeah 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 and so he was like for most of his life just kind of like a gangly mm-hmm. like white boy but then he became a marine and then he went to juilliard but in the marines he like got super in shape and he said this in interviews he would eat three rotisserie chickens a day yeah so he's like super in shape but he's just not that hot yet hannah tells adam that she got fired and he goes well you were just an intern so they didn't fire you they just asked you not to hang out there anymore." (laughs) okay kind of fair and she's like ha very funny but anyway i'm an english major and that should work for any job and adam says well i'm a comparative literature major and it hasn't done shit for me and she's like well you're an actor so aren't you kind of like comparing literature all the time which is a good point and he yeah. just like kind of stares at her and is like i don't i, I mean I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he says that he's also into this woodworking stuff 
it's just more honest, which Harrison Ford was also a carpenter. Yeah. Before he became an actor. Mm-hmm. And then Adam Driver played his son in Star mm-hmm. Wars. Just saying. It's like Jesus. <laughs> yes. They're both <laughs> much like Jesus. Oh, my God. I just read this thing on Vanity Fair that the guy who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, he's yeah. like a QAnon person. Really? Yeah. Because I thought I had seen. That's so interesting. I had seen an interview with him and Mel Gibson, like right when that movie first came out before Mel Gibson went all like cuckoo bananas. Yeah. And they were talking to him about like how it was possible that a role like this could ruin his career. Like, yeah. cause you like this, like this is it. Like you're not going to cast anything else, right? Like <laughs> this is it. Like you were Jesus and passion of the Christ. End of story. Yeah. And has he, done, has he really worked since then? I don't know. I, I haven't checked, but I remember him saying, he's like, well, I'm a devout Catholic. So it was like really important for me to tell this story. Now he's doing this. Well, the people who are in QAnon think that they're very religious. I get that, but it's still weird. Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> like, I'm just saying this is still like a bizarrely, like, like you would think that no one would ever be in QAnon. Yeah, you would think that, that. But also you would think you wouldn't swap one. But you know what I mean? Like, typically what you're, you, you don't already be, have your thing. thing. Yes. yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't go yes. from like being hyper religious yes. to yes. being hyper religious with something different. A Scientologist. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. That's not a thing. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Path is curious. Yeah, it's yeah. odd. Hannah tells Adam that until yesterday she was supported by her parents, and she's like, she's like, is that land? like I'm, I'm? She's like kind of ashamed. She should be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Adam says, "Oh well, I'm not supported by my parents, but my grandmother gave me like 800 bucks a month or something like that." <laughs> and he says he wouldn't take money from his parents because they're buffoons, and then I'd have to be their slave. And now you don't have to be anyone's slave except mine. I judge Hannah and by extension, Lena Dunham for a lot of things, but she immediately jumps on him and starts making out with him. And if I had a nickel for every time I was in my twenties and some shitbag guy said something that even slightly sounded like deeper interesting. And I was like, Oh my God, tell me more about that. Like I would be a fucking millionaire. He's trying to role play and be sexy and kinky. And she's so awkward. She's like, what, what, uh, which is another thing I'm not going to judge her for. I mean, that's right. That's totally fair. He leaves to go. He says he's going to go get some lube. And she says, okay, and will you get a condom? And his answer is all considerate, <laughs> which is why I always have condoms. Well, men are the worst. I mean, I don't always have them. I always have them if I think I'm getting <laughs> sex. I don't like to take one to the dentist or anything. I mean, it can't hurt to like, you know, just keep some in your purse. <laughs> I mean, I guess always be prepared. And he's pulling in Jamie Dornan and fucking her with his jeans on. He comes back with lube and a condom and clearly tries to put it in her butt. Oh. And she goes, please don't do that. That feels awful. Like, <laughs> Okay, here's the deal, men. We're going to take a little side note for all of our men listening. I, and I, I feel like I can really speak for all women when I say this. You don't get to experiment with butt stuff until you're married. Like, you need to be legally and morally bound to that butthole for life <laughs> if you're going to wreck it. Okay, but I always say that. I always say that anal is for marriage. But really, I'm lying, and I won't do it after marriage either. <laughs> I'm not saying I would either. I'm just saying stop trying until you get there. And also definitely like, don't try without asking. Like, your random hookups for sure aren't going to want to do it. Your girlfriend's not going to want to do it. Like, just wait till you're married and then try. Yeah. You might get lucky. Yeah. don't Definitely not. Definitely not when you're, like, in a 
fuckboy situation. Yeah, no. I'm not going to explain to the next person why my asshole is wrecked. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let somebody put it in my butt. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm also not going to do that. Um, Good plan. She's talking through this entire, like, session, and it's so awkward. And, again, like, very reminiscent of most of the sex in my 20s because I didn't – I, like, hated my body. So I was like, okay, well, I have to do something to distract from, like, my naked body. And I was just, like, chatty the whole time. And it took me until – I was probably around, like, 28 or maybe even 30 to, like – obviously, I still, like, say that I'm, like, James Gandolfini and, like, Orson Welles and stuff like that. But I now, It doesn't matter how old a man is. They are so excited to see a naked lady. Yeah. Well, now, They're not noticing any of the things that you don't like about yourself. 100%. And, all, like, now I get that, like – when a man is inside me, it's like a safe assumption that like he's into whatever I've got going on, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't have yeah. to be like, what is the deal with airplane food? Like right. I don't have to do a yeah. bit. Like, like Cat Williams, and this is not whatever your feelings are on him as a person or a comic, but he does have a funny bit about how like we know what causes stretch marks and we don't care. Like we're still fucking you anyway. <laughs> like it, 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 it's very, very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, like it's, it's really, yeah. Uh, back at Hannah and Marnie's Charlie's trying to get, um, <laughs> Charlie's trying to get some from Marnie. And he says like, what would turn you on the most? She was like, if it wasn't you, she says, if you were a stranger, <laughs> we could pretend that you're a stranger. <laughs> red flag <laughs> the doorbell rings and marnie says oh that must be jessa and charlie says or it might be ray and marnie's clearly annoyed that charlie's invited whoever this ray person is well yeah especially because <laughs> like if he's invited a guy friend over why is he trying to have sex with her so. i think it was i think they were like having a conversation like he was like we haven't like we don't really have sex a lot oh yeah Gotcha. Not like in that moment. Gotcha. He was like, we should have sex. At Adam's, he's asking Hannah about her tattoos. And <laughs> this character is why I hated Adam Driver for so long. She says she did them in high school because she gained a lot of weight very quickly and felt out of control. So she got these tattoos to reclaim control of her body. And Adam says he was fat in high school, but he didn't go drawing all over himself. And she's not that fat anymore, so she can just have them lasered off. Ugh. <laughs> She says she has to go to Jessa's dinner and she says that she's glad she came over. He made her feel a lot better, which how? Yeah, but that's such a 20 something year old thing to say or to think or to feel. But how how did that make you feel any better? Because you got some attention, I guess. She says, I'll see you soon. And we've already discussed that he is not good at the texting. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, just text me. No, the, no. The of like some guy being like, I'm not hard to get a hold of. Just text me whenever you want. Just fucking insane. At Hannah and Marnie's party for Jessa, Hannah's not there and Jessa's also not there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Marnie, her boyfriend, Charlie, that she can't stand. Their friend, Ray, who she also probably clearly right, doesn't like very right. much. And his girlfriend. And they're being like super annoyingly cute. Marnie's pissed that Hannah didn't even come and then Jessa shows up and she's like posing on the couch for some reason not really sure what's going on here she's talking about how if you're a Francophile like her then you just have to go to Paris it's super annoying um Ugh. Hannah comes home and Jessa tells her she smells like sex Hannah's complaining about how she'll have to work for McDonald's 
And Ray says, then fucking work at McDonald's. And at first I'm like, yeah, Ray, like you tell her entitled millennial ass that she not to look down on McDonald's employees. But then he starts talking about how great McDonald's is for like the world and capitalism. And then he lost oh. me. He lost me, Ray. But there is no shame in just work. Yeah. Like just having a job. Yeah. Just working. Ray says <laughs> that watching Marty and Hannah talk is like watching Clueless. He says this while he's making tea from opium pods. That kind of tastes like twigs. Opium pods, like heroin? Yeah. Like yeah. heroin but it's tea? Like super, yeah, but it's like super, super not strong at all. Like, like just some, some real like hipster bullshit? Yes. Very to much To say that they're bullshit. having opium tea? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, Lipton's tastes better. Why aren't we having that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Marnie says Hannah shouldn't have some because she's super sensitive to drugs, but she tries it anyway. Marnie and Jessa are giving Hannah totally contradicting advice about what she should do. Marnie says she needs to tell her parents that she's seriously looking for a job and just needs a little bit more help until she finds something. Which, by the way, I think also, like, she's clearly an entitled millennial, but her parents just saying, like, starting today, you're not getting any. Like, that's not that cool. Like, you definitely needed to have been like, okay, in six months and then every week until then, you know, reminding her. Jessa says she should just explain to her parents that she's an artist and artists don't work. (laughs) Hannah says she has to go. (laughs) and marnie's like you just drank a cup of opium like where are you gonna go but she leaves anyway and jessica goes she seems like she's in such a good place she's like she's having a quarter life i can't i can't hannah goes to her parents hotel and gives them a copy of the book that she's started writing because as she says she thinks she might be the voice of her generation or a generation Marnie and Jessa are arguing and Jessa's pulling the, and this was like what they did in like Nexium and stuff. Like, I can't help your feelings, mm. which is like so fucking annoying. Like, yes, we're all adults and we're all responsible for our own emotional regulation. But when you're a friend with someone or just like a basic responsibility as a human being, not to make another human being feel like shit. Like yeah. that's it. Like, yeah. And so if somebody says you hurt my feelings, all you say is like, I'm sorry that my behavior caused that. Yeah. Like, th- that's it. Like you don't get to decide that you're better than everybody else. So you're not going to apologize. <laughs> fucking annoying. I cannot stand that personality type. And uh, Marnie starts telling Jessa how rude and condescending she's being. And then Jessa says she's pregnant, which is upsetting, but still doesn't necessarily give her the, like, you still, okay, but you still, we can talk about that later, but this is a different thing. Apologize. Back at the hotel, Hannah's parents are reading her book and she says all she needs is $1,100 a month for the next two years. That's it. (laughs) And her mom says that's insane and she needs to get a job. She she says she's so spoiled and Hannah says, well, whose fault is that? And her mom says, your father's. (laughs) That's such a mom response. (laughs) Hannah collapses and her parents figure out that she's high and they argue what to do about her. The next morning she wakes up in their hotel room and immediately tries to order room service. And the people in the hotel room are like, you need to get out right now, actually. (laughs) Her her parents left? Her parents left. Yeah. (laughs) Her parents were leaving the next morning anyway. So her parents have left. And they clearly were like, don't let this bitch put anything on our car. They left a 20 for her. And they left a 20 for housekeeping. And she takes them both and leaves. And that's the pilot episode of Girls. Rude. Yeah, super rude. Um, Episode two is called Vagina Panic. Which is something I know about very well. You do. And we'll go into it. Don't worry. I do by proximity. (laughs) And it opens with Adam and Hannah doing it. And again, he's trying to role play and she's not getting it. He's like, I picked you up on the street. And she's like, oh, we met at a party though. Like she doesn't. (laughs) 
His scenario is that she's an 11 year old junkie, which is wildly Whoa! disturbing. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah. No! Yeah. Time out! Yeah. Time out! That, that, yeah. If a man's fantasizing about that during sex with you or any time, call 911. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. If he hasn't already, he will be very inappropriate with a child. Yeah. No, not okay. Um, but, you know, she doesn't immediately leave. We've talked about, like, ignoring red flags, which everyone's guilty of. Like, this is a pretty extreme case of that. He asks where she wants him to come. And she goes, she's like, well, where are my options? <laughs> and guess where one of them is? Tips. Face. Face. Yes. She doesn't choose face, though. Although, supposedly, all the testosterone in semen is good for your skin. And, and I'm that not argument saying still that. has never been enough for me to be like, I'm please not- shoot your wand in my face. <laughs> I mean, True. Yes, but supposedly that is a real thing. I have also heard that. she's She does not choose face. She's like, well, it seems like you want to come with my tits, so go for it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I also never know. Like, my preferred place is in the condom and nowhere on or in my body. Like, that, yeah. like that's the best case scenario for me. It's really gross. <laughs> He's trying to create. Men, why isn't that an option? What? <laughs> I'm just asking in general. Like, if you would like to let us know. <laughs> Why you can't just fucking jizz in yes. the condom while you're in yes. us. <laughs> Jesus. Like, it's more, it seems like more work to, like, pull out, take it off, and then, like, it's stupid. He's trying to create, like, a Fifty Shades dynamic, and he tells her that she has to call him anytime she wants to come. And, of course, Hannah goes, you want me to call you? <laughs> he shoots his wad, and she goes, that was so good. I almost came. Bummer. Yeah, I had a lot of bad sex in my 20s, like, during my sloppy, messy years. And I also dealt with a lot of Adam-esque fuck boys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the two were never the same. Interesting. Yeah. Like, the fuck boys, I was always having good sex with them. I cannot imagine being that into someone and not having good sex. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to say I wouldn't be into them anymore, but maybe that's not true. I don't know. But I, I don't know why that, like, makes it better that I'm like, well, at least I was having good sex with all my fuck boys. Like, that doesn't, like... <laughs> make me better or smarter or anything like that's kind of no but it it does make you wonder like okay so what is like what is the appeal then yeah because he also doesn't seem very nice to her yeah so yeah it's like (laughs) he offers her a gatorade which is weirdly sweet (laughs) or maybe i just love big weird adam driver i think Um, that's it marnie and charlie are having what looks like terrible sex but in a different way it looks like the most boring sex on the planet she says she wants to do it doggy style. And he says, I thought you hated doggy style because it makes you look like a piggy bank, <laughs> which is apparently something she told him. Once. Oh my! Charlie's super into it. And Marley's clearly like, let's just get this over with. I can't, I just can't imagine like putting up with bad. So like, I would just stop having sex with them. I wouldn't let them have bad sex with me. I mean, I would just break up with like, I don't, I understand this isn't the case for everyone, but I can't imagine sticking out with someone when I clearly don't like them anymore. Like, not only is it not fair to me, it's not fair to them. Like, I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me. Like, I just, I don't, I don't get that. Why? Why? If his very presence annoys you. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. Specifically, like, the sexual aspect of it. Like, why are you having sex with, if you're not enjoying it, why are you having sex with Yeah. Like, at Shoshana and Jessa's, Shoshana is making a mood board and Jessa's smoking pot, which Shoshana asks her not to do, and Jessa pretty much just ignores her. I thought Jessa was pregnant. She is. Okay. No judgment, but judgment. Like, should you be <laughs> well, smoking pot when you're gonna, pregnant? She's clearly not going to keep it. Okay. Shoshana is like, I know you're going through a hard time right now, but I just want you to know I'm really proud of you for getting this abortion. <laughs> 
I don't super love any of these women. So, but so far Shoshana seems like the least offensive. Like she just seems annoying. She's not like yeah. a bad person. Yeah. Marnie might just be unhappy and not a bad person, but Shoshana seems the least offensive out of yeah. all of them. Hannah's leaving Adam's apartment and she's like clearly wanting him to like walk her to the door. She's like, okay, gonna go. think I got everything. And from the other room, he just goes, okay, bye. Right. <laughs> He asks where she's going and she goes, <laughs> don't you remember? I'm going home to my parents because I'm a dirty little whore covered in cum, which is what he had said to her last night. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> and she's like, oh, uh, nothing. Never mind. <laughs> she says that she has a job interview and then she's taking her friend to get an abortion. And he's like, wow, that's kind of a lot. <laughs> it's a big day. It yeah. is a big day. <laughs> yeah. Hannah's like I don't know I feel like people say like it's that such a big deal but it doesn't really have to be I feel like in the past six ish years ten maybe there's been like a big push to erase the stigma of having an abortion and that is good and I want to say you that can, that's what Hannah's trying to say no because you can still acknowledge that it's a big deal you can still acknowledge that there's gonna be emotions tied to it you can still acknowledge that there's right. like that it's it's not like going to get a cup of coffee right right it's coming off as just being insensitive yeah, from her. Yeah. Which Adam's like responding to. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, damn. Like you seem like you don't care about this at all. And then she starts being like, oh, no, it's not that I'm not like saying that, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But she's reacting to what he thinks of her. Not yeah. that she's like actually being yeah. compassionate towards her friend. He says he doesn't know what it is about him, but girls just don't ask him to use condoms. And she says, well, Ew. yeah. And she says, well, we always use condoms. And he goes, do we? And then she starts, like, clearly an internal panic. <laughs> and, he, and he goes, oh, my God, you're freaking out right now. And she's like, no, I'm not. Because when a man says you're freaking out, that that's a trap. Yes. They're setting you up for a trap. You just have to say, like, no, everything's fine. And by the way, if she thought that he was using a condom every single time and he was not, that's a perfectly legitimate reason for her to be angry. Yeah. Not that she's freaking out. Yeah. But, of course, you know. You can't say, yeah, I am, because then you're crazy. So you have to just say, no, of course not. Right. It's fine. He says he's totally fine, and she's totally pretty, and she, like, feels better and leaves. Because we all just need to hear that we're pretty. Yeah. Charlie and Marnie are having an argument, and she says he should just be able to piss her off and then go about his day, because that's what men do. And I have to agree with her halfway that is what men do, but I'm not super into, like, Telling them they should do it more. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Like, if you piss me off, you should want to work that out with me. He says she wants him to be some gross guy who's like, suck my nuts. And she goes, ew, have you seen your nuts? And he gets offended. <laughs> and I'm sure that Charlie's nuts are just as fine as any other man's nuts. But in case this is a newsflash, yeah, they're, all they're disgusting. They're all gross. Your ball sack is not a Monet. Hannah comes home while Charlie's leaving. And Marnie tells her about the fight that they just had. And Hannah says, well, you're 23 and you've had the same boyfriend for four years. So if you're bored, that's understandable. And Marnie's like, I just explained to you that fight. And that was a way oversimplification of what's actually going yeah. on. So this is now the second time that like one of her friends is like having an issue and she's mm -hmm. just kind of brushing it off. Hannah tells her that if she wants Charlie to act more depraved in bed, then she should send him to Adam's. And Marnie's like, "Ugh, he got gross again. So this is clearly something that Adam does like on the reg. Marnie says, Adam can't do that to her. He's not her boyfriend. 
which I don't think would have been my problem with his gross sexual fantasies about 11-year-old junkies. Like, the fact right. that he's not my boyfriend is having them is not. Yeah. I would actually be glad that my boyfriend's not having those kind of fantasies. Right. I'd be like, yeah, that's why he's not my boyfriend. Yeah. He's a sexual pervert, and I'm never talking to him again. But it's clearly never occurred to Hannah that Adam could be out sleeping with other people until this very moment. So now she's doing the good old-fashioned panic Googling, with which I am so very familiar. Yeah. It's usually when I get texts like, Erica, I think... <laughs> I might have AIDS and I have to be like, no, you don't. Okay. But here's the thing. It is uh, in 2020. I only thought that I had COVID twice. <laughs> you did get a lot better. So you did get a lot better. It's not that I got a lot better. It's specifically vagina panic. Oh, fair. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get that. I get that. Like when she thinks she's pregnant, but she hasn't had sex in months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I, because I wasn't having sex because I didn't have sex after for like a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. 100. So there was nothing to worry about. Yeah. Um, one of the things she Googles is stuff that gets up around the sides of condoms, which I don't even know, like dick sweat. Like what? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Hannah calls Marnie at work, who for some reason is the person who scheduled Jess's abortion. And Hannah wants her to schedule a pap and an STD test for her. And Marnie's like, you said you always use condoms. Don't you think you're probably good? Okay, what? who are you people? Condoms, you should always get tested. You should always get tested. Condoms, nothing is 100% effective. Like, no. get to, if, she wants, if she wants to be responsible, get tested. Like, why are you trying to talk her out of it? Um, don't, I mean, don't panic about it like I do all the fucking time. But, like, no. get tested. And you can tell her, like, okay, make your own appointments. Like, you are a big and, girl. Yes, that was my second note. Also, make your own obgyn appointments. Right. Like, what are you doing? In another PTSD flashback, um... Oh no, sorry. That was my that was my PTSD flashback. Uh Hannah, Jessa, and Shoshana are eating Froyo and talking about Adam. And Hannah says she has no idea how he feels about her because like when they're together, he's so there and so present and seems so into her. And then he disappears for two weeks and doesn't answer any calls or texts, so she doesn't know. Like I I wrote my notes, I feel kind of sick to my stomach right now. <laughs> Shoshana pulls out a book called Listen, Ladies. That's clearly supposed to be like a he's just not that into you yeah, yeah, yeah. like type thing. Shoshana is super serious about <laughs> it. And the other two are like, this is really dumb. Jessa, for like good feminist reasons, doesn't like it. And Hannah, for like super dumb reasons, doesn't like it. <laughs> like one of the rules in the book is if a man doesn't take you on a date, he's not interested. Point blank. That's like the, the tagline of the book. It's like point, the end, everything, point blank. And Hannah immediately goes, well, there have to be exceptions. No, there don't. There don't have to be exceptions. There aren't exceptions. If a man's not taking you on a date, he's probably not into you. Point like that. I, well, I do agree with that. I do. And I think, you know, it's safe to say that perhaps he's only interested in a certain activity or certain right. things or right. like. Which you can be down for. Yes. But you can't think you're going to fuck him into being a boyfriend. <laughs> or yeah. like you can't think that like you're going to have enough sex. He's eventually going to want to take you to dinner. Like yeah. that's not. It doesn't work that way. No. Uh, another rule is that sex from behind is degrading and Jess is like well what if I like it better that's stupid which is yeah. a good point I really like he's just something into the movie it's like a very like guilty pleasure rom-com it's a great movie but I like it the book is sort of widely offensive to women I don't need like a man to like tell me that a guy that I'm fu a fundamentally unlovable person and that's just why the guy doesn't like me like it's which is not necessarily his lesson but the kind of women like when I read that book that's the message I got is like there's you can't fix anything about it people just aren't gonna like you like it's it's it, it had, can be very damaging yes I feel like the concept was good and that it had the potential to maybe give women an insight into how men think or operate but in the end, it ended up just kind of being like, he'll either like you or he won't. 
And if he doesn't, there's, you know, that's your problem. Yes, that's your problem. Exactly. That's what it sounded like. And if he doesn't, that's your problem. And like, one, I have a girlfriend who read that book. We were reading it at the same time. And I was, she was like, oh, this is wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And I was reading it and feeling like terrible, more and more terrible and more terrible about myself. And she was like, well, what's the issue? And I was like, this is just telling me that nobody's ever going to like me. Yeah. And she was like, no, it's saying that like, you're so awesome that you don't need to waste your time with these guys and blah, blah, blah. And like, that's great that she took it away, that she yeah. took that. But I don't remember ever getting that message yeah. one time in the book <laughs> that like, you're so great that you don't have to put up with this BS. Like it, like it really. Well, and that was kind of the concept in the episode of Sex and the City that the book is based off of is that like. Miranda's unsure about this guy, whatever, whatever. And the new guy Carrie Carrie's dating is like, yeah, he's probably not that into you, but it's not your problem. Like you're great. Move on to the next one. Quit trying to overanalyze it. Right. Like that is excellent advice. Yeah. Yeah. The book. So in an attempt to make it a book, it kind of took a left turn. It just it was just, it was just chapters and chapters of he doesn't like you, he doesn't like yeah. you, he doesn't like you. Which is like, how is this helping me? Yeah. Like I get it that he yeah. doesn't like me. Like he, Jesus. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot. But the this the point of is if he's not as you want to date, he's just not that into you, point blank, whatever you want to call it. like, yeah, move that's a pretty good that that's like irrefutable that's <laughs> yes. not an argument. Yes. Jess is pissed off about the book and Hannah's like, Okay, that I think there's like something else going on here that like you're angry about. So what's going on? Jessa says she's not a character in one of Hannah's stories, and Hannah points out that she writes essays actually. <laughs> She asks Jessa if she's... <laughs> also a story. <laughs> she asks Jessa if she's angry. And Jessa says, who would I be angry at? And Hannah says, I don't know, maybe yourself. And Jessa says, no. And Hannah says, okay, are you mad at me? And Jessa says that Hannah's so self-involved, which she definitely is, but that wasn't a great time to point it out because Jessa is acting very angry and they're the yeah. only two people in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Jessa says she wants to have kids. And Hannah's like, yeah, I know when your life is like appropriate to be raising a child mm -hmm. and jessa says because she's a she's a nanny mm -hmm. and like adam was like oh she doesn't want to keep it and, and hannah was like what's she gonna do take the baby to her babysitting job like yeah <laughs> jessa says she wants children with men of lots of different races and hannah's like okay you know what i i have to go i don't understand what that means like like i don't like collecting biracial children i don't like an I angelina like, jolie situation like i'll have one from there and, and one from there like and one from that. there like why do you have to like insist upon that as your friend like it's just it was a weird thing to say so then Hannah has a job interview with Mike Birbiglia. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy's favorite. He is my favorite. I He's probably tied for first place as my favorite with Trey Crowder. I love him so much. He has a ton of specials on Netflix. Go he and does. watch them. They're all really good. He's done great things um, during COVID, like charity wise. And back in 2012, I didn't know who he was. So I didn't realize that it was him. And I didn't remember that he was in this episode. But I was super duper happy. Except that he's kind of flirting with her in this job interview. I'm like, I don't want you to be a creep. <laughs> no. And then I wrote, this is such an unexpected surprise. I thought I'd just be talking about how much I hate Lena Dunham and this show and sexually objectifying Adam Driver. But now I get to talk about how much I love Mike Vermilia. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also double sad about him being a creep because the time that I like fell in love with him was during his special my girlfriend's boyfriend and he's super not a creep yeah so now he's like kind of being creepy and i'm sad they're bonding about how they both live in brooklyn and hannah says she holds a grudge against any bars where the bartenders call themselves mixologists which 
Same. That's fair. The interview is going well, and Hannah asks Mike Birbiglia where he went to college. He says Syracuse, and Hannah pulls a classic Lucy. Maybe I just don't like her because she reminds me of me, which is a scary thought. She says that she heard a statistic that Syracuse had the highest rate of date rape, but that dropped off after he graduated. Jeez. Yeah, you would do that. She's taken, <laughs> she's taken it too far, and they were vibing, and she does not know him well enough to make that joke. <laughs> yeah i don't i i can't i can't even say i would do that like i 100 percent have yeah yeah mike berbiglia is like uh what and hannah explains her joke never do this <laughs> she says she like basically has to be like the joke is that you're a rapist <laughs> right <laughs> mike berbiglia is like hard pass on jokes about rape in the yeah. workplace yeah. and you're also definitely not getting this job jessa is supposed to be on the way to get her abortion and she stops in a bar and then she orders a white russian which like Ew. why would you stop in a bar on your way for something pretty fucking important and why would you order a white russian so gross and hannah and marnie are in the doctor's office waiting room and marnie tells hannah that hannah got there late but hannah's like jess is not even here yet <laughs> and, good point good yeah. point and she tells marnie that she should be more sensitive with jessa which is ironic because hannah's kind of not been very sensitive at all marnie's like yeah i'm sure she's upset this is the most traumatic thing that can happen to a woman and hannah's like but is it really though marnie says she's been thinking about how she's been sexually irresponsible enough times in her life that she should have gotten accidentally pregnant by now and didn't <laughs> <laughs> like she always gets her period at the same time every month and hannah goes well you're lucky because i never know when mine's coming and that's why all of my underwear have weird stains on them <laughs> she says uh, Marnie's afraid that she's barren and she's like trying to reassure her. She says, Charlie probably just has a low sperm count. And uh, and Marnie's like, well, of course, Charlie has a low sperm count. <laughs> <laughs> so Shauna comes running in and is like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I'm late. I brought snacks. I didn't know what to bring to something like this, but I brought snacks in bed just in case. I don't know how long we're going to be here. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like babbling. And Hannah just goes, Shoshana, you need to sit down. <laughs> <sighs> I'd bring treats, too. <laughs> Jess is at the bar acting like she's the most interesting person on the planet which she clearly thinks she is. It's a toss up between her and Hannah, who I hate the most, but I think Jess is winning because I just fucking hate that personality type. <laughs> a random guy walks in and asks the bartender if they have a payphone, And the bartender's like, why the fuck would we have a payphone? It's 2012. <laughs> Jessa says he can use her phone and hands it to him. And the guy says she has a tons of texts and missed calls. And she says, mind your business. You just handed him your phone. Yeah. yeah. The guy calls his mom and then leaves a message and asks Jessa what she's drinking. And she says milk and she has a milk mustache. And I think this is supposed to be like cute or charming, but it's gross. It's yeah. super gross. In the waiting room, Shoshana's, she says, oh, Hannah, so you're getting an STD test? Fun. And Hannah goes, does that sound like fun to you, Shoshana? <laughs> <laughs> Marnie tells Shoshana that Hannah's obsessed with getting AIDS. Hannah's, so is Lucy. Hannah says, she's not stupid. She's obsessed with getting HIV that turns into AIDS. Marnie, also something that Lucy has said. <laughs> Marnie, Marnie says, you don't have HIV. It's just not that easy to contract. Actually, it's incredibly easy to contract, which is why a shit ton of people died from it. Okay, so that's <laughs> something so stupid to say. And Shoshana points that out. Like, actually, I think it's pretty super fucking easy to contract. <laughs> and then she goes, have you seen Rent? And Marnie goes, please, I've seen it like 12 times. It's basically why I moved to New York. And I think they're making fun of like those kinds of people. Yeah. So I'm on board or else I'd start fucking hating Marnie too because I hate those people. <laughs> the doctor calls Hannah in and she's like, okay, don't yell at Jessa when she gets here. And Marnie's like, I mean, it's no big deal. She's just like, 
I set this all up and like she ruined it. And Hannah's like, you threw a really wonderful abortion for her. <laughs> and I'm sure she'll really appreciate it. <laughs> Jess is making out with a guy in the bathroom at the bar and he goes to like, I guess, finger banger or something. And she's gotten her period, which is like, did you take a pregnancy test? Oh, yeah. It seems very on brand for this character to just jump to the most dramatic conclusion, make it everybody else's problem. And then like, it's not a problem. I know somebody that got married because they thought they were pregnant and it turned out to be just a late period. So they must have gotten married within like three weeks. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they did. Because they were like, they were trying to like. And he never asked, he never was like, did you take a pregnancy test? Apparently nobody did. Like, no one's parents. Like, nobody inquired about this situation. Well, what happened? They're still married. Like, they were dating before, and they were, this is just part of two of growing up in religious circles. You know, so they were trying to, like, trying to make it, like, as close to, so that way the baby wasn't born, like, five months after they were married or something like that. Yeah. But clearly no one thought to go to the doctor and, like, just double check. Because they were so obsessed with like making sure that like it looked like it was like a honeymoon baby or something. Yeah. Now they're still they have kids now they're still married but. Well, that yeah l- they got lucky that it that it worked out. Yes, because that's really stupid. <laughs> take a fucking pregnancy if you're gonna freak out about a pregnancy scare, which I do often. Take a fucking pregnancy well, test. And s- <laughs> even still, like go to the doctor. Yeah. Like, go yeah. to the doctor. Yeah. yeah. Marnie and Shoshana are in the waiting room and Shoshana tells Marnie that she's a virgin, which she clearly like has a lot of anxiety over. And Marnie's like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Hannah's in the examination room and she's exactly like she is with Adam during sex. Like she and Mike Ripiglia during the interview, she's like doing bits. Like she's like, <laughs> so you can just lay there and not say anything. Yeah. While they but do when it. you're uncomfortable, like I understand that impulse so well, just to like keep talking until somebody laughs. Like it's, I don't know why. I don't know why. She tells the doctor that she has a fear of AIDS. And the doctor asks if she's ever known anyone with AIDS. And Hannah says, no, she just watched Forrest Gump too young. Try having a dad who's a fucking AIDS doctor, okay? <laughs> and on top of that, a raging liberal. I knew what AIDS was when I was, like, fucking eight. Like, I'm not kidding. It might have been younger. Like, third, what, how old are you when you're in the third grade? Yeah, like I knew eight. what AIDS was. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> the doctor's like, okay, let's just, like, do the exam. And Hannah works... Hannah's like working out her tight five on AIDS material with this woman. She says, maybe she's not afraid of getting AIDS. Maybe she secretly wants AIDS, which I feel like is something you've said to me. Like, do you want to have an STD? Probably. You, like you want. Probably. One. The doctor does the exam and the episode ends. So the first episode gets my bigger boob because there was more Adam Driver in it. But the second <laughs> gets my bigger boob because he looked better in it, even though there was less of him. Like how Adam Driver is the gauge for how much we like girls. Well, yeah, because there's nothing else good about it. Okay, fair. <laughs> Everyone else is awful. Fair. And the thing about girls is that, like, I've talked on this podcast before about how much I really love the book and the movie Gone Girl. And there are no yeah. likable characters in that either. Yeah. And I love that. There's a way to write non-likable people and still have you oh, like for the sure. thing. For sure. And still have it be, like, a good story. And a I good, just hate, yeah. I just yeah, I hate them all. But also Mike Birbiglia was in the second episode, so I'm super excited yeah. about it, which makes up for the lack of Adam Driver. <laughs> um, Adam Driver is going to be in a lot more episodes, so we'll talk about his charities later. But since this is the only one with Mike Birbiglia, I want to talk about him because I love him so much. Okay. During COVID, he started a podcast called Working It Out, where he and his comedian friends work out new material since they couldn't like pop into the comedy store mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm. test set. And since the clubs were all closed, he created a website called Tip Your Weight Staff. And you go onto the site and you find your state and your city and you see a bunch of ways to donate to comedy clubs in your area. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. And the money either goes to keeping those clubs open or like the servers. Gotcha. Yeah. Since they, they are obviously not making money. Yeah. I think most, if not all of the podcast proceeds are being donated to Feeding America. Okay. He's heavily promoted them on his podcast since food insecurity has grown so much yep. during COVID. And he always asks he like does what we do which i don't think i knew that he was doing this until after so i didn't steal this idea but when he has a guest on he's like name a charity that you Mm, care about yeah so yeah he's just also i spent valentine's day night with mike mabiglia she did because he was doing a virtual show and i like got myself some chocolates and a bottle of wine and went to this stupid valentine's day (laughs) virtual comedy show because it was awesome yeah so i love him and that's it beautiful okay now for the far more pleasant and likable experience of erica's <laughs> episode we will discuss bridget jones diary so this came out in 2001 hence why i feel <laughs> like an old old lady yeah i was a freshman in high school or a sophomore i don't i was old any or anyway uh it was directed by sharon mcguire based on the novel by helen fielding it stars renee zellweger as bridget jones colin firth as mark darcy and hugh grant as daniel cleaver so the movie starts out on New Year's Day, and Renee is going to her mother's annual turkey curry buffet. <laughs> Sorry, it's going to be a lot of that as I recap this. Um, so her mom is trying to set her up with Mark Darcy, and her mom has laid out something lovely for her on her bed. And she comes back to the party, and she goes, great, I look like a carpet. She does. It reminds it's, me of, like, a carpet bag. It's super ugly. <laughs> it's super ugly, but it's such a mom outfit. Like, it's it's bad. It's like corduroy and flower printed. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's rough. Bad. It's real bad. She thinks, you know, that Colin is very attractive. He's a human rights lawyer or human rights barrister, mm-hmm. recently divorced. But he is wearing an ugly Christmas sweater. Mm-hmm. And so Renee Zellweger is making jokes about drinking too much and smoking too much and, like, must give that up for New Year's. And Colin is just not impressed, right? And he calls her a verbally, verbally incontinent spinster. But not to her <laughs> face. Renee just happens to overhear it when he's telling his mom this. So I don't use the term verbally incontinent enough. No, but (laughs) I feel like it describes me very well. So you should be using it more. Um, So there are people like who are not super into like my shtick. And like when I meet them for the first time, like it's very clear that they're like, this is (laughs) enough too much. Yeah. But (laughs) I've never had somebody just like kind of blank stare like that. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck me up. I wouldn't even know how to handle that. Yeah. He blank stares at her a lot. He just keeps talking. Yeah. So then we learn there's a lot of voiceovers in this movie. So uh, because, you know, she's writing in her diary. Right. Hence Bridget Jones diary. (laughs) So uh, Renee Zellweger, a.k.a. Bridget Jones, is very worried about, you know, ending up like fat and alone. And so now she's back at home and, you know, she decides to, to start this diary to tell her story and like take it back control of her life. She decides to lose 20 pounds this year and find a boyfriend and decides to stop fantasizing about Daniel, a.k.a. Hugh Grant, who is her co-worker. Uh, boss, right? Yes, technically. Yeah. They never totally flushed that out. Like, like I was like, always like, working on the assumption that he was her like boss. Like what the hierarchy is. Yeah. But he very well could be. Maybe because in the, I assumed that because like in the office, he like literally is higher than her. Yeah. So I just like assumed that. Yes. I guess I thought it was Mr. Like. Yeah. Fitzherbert. Fitzherbert. I think it's him, but it could be. It's, it's, it's not clear, but they work together in whatever capacity. They don't totally flush that out. 
as to what the roles are. Yeah, I might have just been assuming that. I mean, I, they do set it up that way to make you think that, right? Because he's like in the big glass corner office and like if he's not her boss, he's like in a higher position. Yes, oh he gets for pay, sure, he makes more money for sure, yeah. for sure, at the very least. Yeah, yeah. So now Renee is having dinner with her friends and she's going on about how she made a fool of herself at work. The next day she's late to work, right? Because she's went out drinking. And Hugh Grant sends her like an IM or an email or whatever their little messaging system is um, about how short her skirt is. And they start like this like flirty exchange. Like it's straight up sexual harassment. <laughs> right. But they start they start flirting. And she says that she will stop flirting with him, you know, like in her diary. I have to stop doing this. But then she starts to imagine what their wedding will be like. And <laughs> which is that is unfortunately a very girl thing to do. Like I, it's just it's unavoidable. It's so bad. So they flirt back and forth, and Hugh Grant asks Renee out on a date. And she's like, well, we'll see. And um, her friends are like, your entire happiness depends on this work event that they're going to. So the launch of this new book, and he, like, wanted to go get dinner afterwards. And they're entire like. Entire work event. Yeah. Her, like, her entire, entire happiness. happiness. And so they put a lot of pressure on it. So they're, like, helping her and giving her tips and telling her what she needs to do to impress Hugh Grant, and so she's getting ready and she's getting dressed and she's debating between like a thong or a Spanx. And she decides on the Spanx, which gets funny later. And then she totally sticks her foot in her mouth at the event, right? She bumps into Colin first character who's come with a work colleague. And Colin embarrasses Renee when he introduces her to this work colleague named Natasha. And then Renee makes an even bigger ass of herself when she tries to introduce her boss, Mr. Fitzherbert aka tits pervert they call him that because he's always staring at their tits and she can't remember obviously of course his real name when she's up there trying to introduce him um <laughs> which has happened to me before like i've given somebody a nickname and then completely yeah, forgotten their real name yeah but also like mark darcy like what a dick thing to do like why would you just like because he embarrasses her by like saying that she used to play naked in his yes in his kiddie pool yes why exactly why? exactly because so she start. She takes her friend's advice and like introduces people with like an interesting fact. Mm -hmm. So she like introduces Mark Darcy to a coworker, like you know, oh he's you know a human rights barrister, like a top attorney. And then when Mark introduces her to Natasha, he's like, this is Renee. Instead of saying like, and she works at this publishing house, or she, you know, or even just something like, oh we knew each other when we were kids, something innocuous. Yeah, he's like, she used to wade naked in my paddling pool. Yeah, like, which is such a dick move. And also he's already has bad faith built up with her anyway because yeah. he knows that she heard him talking shit at the turkey. Yes. Club. Yes. So it's like, why are you being a dick on top of already being a dick? Yes. English people are supposed to be fucking polite, and that is not polite. Um, they're not. Darcy. So, so in addition to forgetting her boss's name, you know, she can't get the mic to work. She forgets other people's names. She just, like, she just makes an ass of herself. It just, it does not go well. So after this little incident, she is smoking and drinking, like, in the corner. And Hugh Grant, a.k.a. Daniel Cleaver, convinces her to go to dinner. And at dinner, Hugh Grant asks Renee how she knows, uh, Colin Firth character, Mark Darcy. And it turns out that Hugh Grant and Colin went to Cambridge together. And according to Hugh Grant, Colin was best man at his wedding and then tells her that Colin slept with his fiance. So Hugh Grant asks Renee back to his place. She declines and they start kissing and they end up back at his place, of course. Wait, his wife. They were married. Not according to Hugh Grant. Well, Hugh Grant said that Colin Firth was the best man at his wedding. Oh, or the other way around. The Hugh Grant was going to be the best man at his wedding, oh, but then okay, slept with it. his fiance. Got Sorry, it, I'm not. I'm explain that very clearly. But that's what he tells her. But keep that in your mind, as we learn later, it's a lie. Um, <laughs> I was so going to say, well, I know it's all <laughs> So they're back at Hugh Grant's house, right? And they're kissing. They're rolling around the floor, and he finds the Spanx. Is this why? Is this part of why you don't like Spanx? 
because you're afraid of this happening are you traumatized no. by Bridget Jones no, no. I don't like Spanx for one of two for two main reasons one I can never get them back on after I have to pee oh yeah I don't care about the hole in the middle you can't pee out of you that little hole pee. you're just no. gonna pee on yourself no. yeah I can never get them back up not peeing is not an option and I never feel like they do that much for me mm. like I maybe I'm too fat for a Spanx I don't know <laughs> But, like, I feel like for all that uncomfortableness, I don't look any better in said outfit. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, it, if, if you don't think it changed, if you don't like the way you look better, then definitely don't put yourself through, like, the yeah. anguish of yeah. spanks. And they're always, whenever I get, it doesn't matter what kind I get, because I am only five feet tall, mm. they will come up to it's my tits. super weird, yeah. Which is yeah. super weird and awkward. And, again, yeah. I feel like I just look bizarre. And then if I get ones that kind of have the short type look to them, I used to end up rolling them up because they stick out the bottom of my dress. Oh, yeah. they like, go all the way to my knees. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It's, it, I it, do it, have, it doesn't work. I had one that was supposed to be, like, the shorts to the top of your uh, bra. Uh, okay. Your bottom of your bra, yeah. So I did have one that was supposed to be that size. Um, but I also, this is, like, the conundrum of Spanx is that you'd think that if you'd want to look that good for something you'd be getting laid afterwards but i've only ever worn them to things that i know that i'm not gonna get laid afterwards right, because i don't want this to happen yes so he finds the spanx she's mortified like he kind of makes a joke out of it like oh hello mummy you know like you know whatever nice granny panties right so you know then they do it and so now they're in kind of some sort of relationship fucking ship um that's a word <laughs> fucking exactly shit. and she's she's like what are we gonna do about work and he's like whoa whoa it's been a couple of days we've had sex a few times like you know back of the truck up so a few days later her mom calls her and her mom has her come visit her at harrods her mom started to work at harrods and uh, she says she's gonna be a demonstrator on the home shopping network turns out her mom has left her dad for this person named julian who was a host on the Home Shopping Network. And it's it's just, it, this part is like weird and funny and bad. Because Renee is like, why why are you wrecking my life? Like, why are you doing this? Um, and Renee goes to see her dad. And he's watching Julian and her mom on the Home Shopping Channel. And Renee's like, turn this off. <laughs> um, so mom has moved out. Has, you know, is dating this guy. Is taking him like to friends parties. You know, he's he's been around to meet all the friends as, as her boyfriend. So Renee... Then tells her dad that she has a boyfriend, right? Tells him about Hugh Grant. And Renee and Hugh head out to the country for a weekend holiday. They're going to a Tarts and Vickers costume party, which I do love that English people do shit like this. So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> I love it too, a vicar would be like a priest or like, and then a tart is like a hooker. So you come dressed. And it's not a costume party. It's a fancy dress party. That's like the word they use for it. Yeah, fancy dress. Yes, yeah. Which like if you if you told me something was fancy dress, I'd be like, oh, it's formal. Yeah, like but right, like, mean, like my mind goes like cocktail dress, black yeah. tie, like something like yeah, that. But they yeah. mean opposite. Yeah, yeah, they mean like fantasy. And it turns out that Colin and Natasha are there as well, and so they're having like a very serious weekend. They're like working because they're gonna go to the party too. Um, you know, while Renee and Hugh Grant are just having a good time, and um, you know, after boning one night. Renee asks Hugh if he loves her. So the next morning it's Sunday and he's like, I have to go back to London. He's like, I have to prep for this big meeting. Like the Americans are coming in. He's super stressed. He's like, they're thinking about shutting our office down. He's like, I'll arrange for a car to take you back after the party, but I can't go to the party. So Renee goes to the party dressed as a Playboy bunny, which I love. Like I 100% support. But it turns out 
the tarts and Vickers concept has gone out the window. This is a big early 2000s <laughs> movie trope showing up dressed like a Playboy bunny it when really the is. party doesn't call for it. It really is. Um, and so everyone else is just dressed for like a Sunday brunch. Um, and she's, you know, just like a whore. And uh, her mom is there with Julian and her dad is there dressed as a priest. He didn't get the memo either. <laughs> and he's been trying to flirt with some of the other single ladies at the party and it's just, it's not going very well, right? He's, He's not doing that great of a job. Um, so, you know, Renee, after the party's all over, like, Renee leaves and goes to Hugh Grant's apartment. And he tells her, he's like, you know, I'm almost done working. Like, go home. We'll get dinner later. And Renee thinks she hears a noise. And he's like, no, you don't. You know, he, he like, walks her back to the door. And she sees a woman's coat hanging there. And he's like, she's like, I knew I heard something. So she busts into his bedroom and finds a naked woman in the bathroom. <sighs> The person that is naked in his bathroom is Laura. She is from the New York office. I have so many questions about this scene. From the standpoint of obviously, like, Renee's upset, you know, goes home, cries, whatever. But what she says is the worst, though. Yeah, yeah, because Laura's like, you know, oh, you told me she was thin. So, first of all, that's just a mean thing to say. But also, like, so Laura knows about her. Right. But is still sleeping with Hugh. Well, but, like, you know, like, I kind of judge Laura in this moment, not only for being mean to Renee, but, like, like what's what's going on? Like, you, I could see like you know that they're together. I could see them having a situation of, like, she's from the New York office and it's a long distance thing. And, like, if he's going to fuck other people while she's not around, then she's OK with that. Maybe. Yeah. But I guess if I was going to have that arrangement, I wouldn't be OK with you not telling other people about me that yeah you know what i mean like it's yes. not it's not okay that like yeah. she doesn't know what the situation is yeah so i re- also wouldn't say something so mean <laughs> right like what a she's such a bitch yeah but so renee goes home takes a bath cries you know obviously and back at work hugh grant tries to apologize but he really kind of sucks at it like it's, it's such it's such a fuckboy apology like you know she's american and she's so interesting and she's not like british women and uh, yeah like i get i get his, caught up in it yeah he like te- he's he like gives her a really long explanation about like all the reasons why he prefers her yeah like it's very it's a very yes. strange As apology opposed, like, i'm sorry i didn't tell you about her that was wrong of me it was like he, american women are so exciting yeah and, at one point he's like she makes me feel good about yeah, myself or something like yeah that. it's like this is why are you even in here like, right stop now stop talking like, yeah, yeah. stop talking and um, then he tells her that Laura is engaged. And him and Laura are engaged. So again, this is why Laura's just like a dumbass. Like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> oh, so Renee decides that she'll like take her life back, right? She starts like working out. You know, she gets rid of all her how to get a man books and gets like self-help books. Like, you know, getting what you want, becoming the woman you're meant to be, whatever. She starts looking for a new job. Most of her interviews are not going well. <laughs> and uh, so she finally tells the one guy, like, I have to leave my current job because I shagged my boss. And he's like, all right, start Monday. So she, you know, goes to quit and Hugh Grant tries to convince her to stay. And she makes this big scene saying she would rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's ass. And everyone in the office is like, oh, shit. (laughs) You know, clearly enjoying it. So Renee is at her new job and it's at a television station. So they surprise her at this one shoot by telling her she has to be on camera. And they actually want, she's doing a covering like kind of like a special interest type story of like firehouses. And so they want her sliding down the fireman's pole and she crashes right into the camera with her ass, which would straight up happen to me. Like 1000% the world would see my butthole. Yeah, me too. Um, Not even, not even any question, but it would happen to you. Okay. Well, first of all, it would happen to me and you because 
you're not as clumsy as me. I'm clumsy as fuck, but we both just like kind of have bad luck. So like it would definitely <laughs> happen to both of us. But also like they put the they like put the camera like right under they the did. fireman's they pole. Did. Like they, <laughs> the, the camera angles were bad. They got super confused. It's like when they were going to her, so she started to slide down, and they made her slide back up, and then they're like, no, now, yeah, now, yeah, now, yeah. and like it was, it was, it was bad. It was rough. Um, so after this whole debacle, she has to go to a dinner party at her married friend's house. And of course, Colin. Oh, this is my favorite part. And of course, Colin and Natasha are there. And she is the only single person. And she has to tell everybody that she broke up with Daniel Cleaver. And they ask Bridget why there are so many uh, unmarried women in their 30s. And she tells them, it's, you know, it's because we have scales all over our bodies. <laughs> like, me and my cousin love that and like this the like the term of like smug married yeah <laughs> yes yeah because you know they're all sitting there like holding hands and like touching their pregnant wives bellies yeah. and like you Why know ta- talking so and thinking using, yeah like yeah shut up yeah <laughs> she goes to leave and she's by herself at the door which side note people throwing this dinner party super rude like why is no one walking her out yeah oh speaking of i just remembered this um i think somebody was trying to flirt with me who is <laughs> it was one of those things have was i ranting to you i think i was ranting not to you to ariel about how like i'll post something on my instagram like a progress pic and men just like all of a sudden yeah. think that that's like a cue to them yeah. to like start openly hitting on me yeah which like if you've been my friend for like a decade which some of some of these men have like a casual not a friend a casual acquaintance for like mm-hmm. a, a decade or more and i've never expressed any interest in having sex with you it means i don't have sex with you my instagram account is not like britney spears i'm not sending like subliminal messages that i really <laughs> want to sleep with you i don't want to sleep with you so after like one of my, it might've been like the pick where I had like my app or something. Oh yeah. Somebody who I have casually known and like have mutual friends was like, so wh- why are you single? Why are you single? And at some point it just like got to be misogynistic what he was saying to me. And then at one point I just went, you're being very misogynistic right now. And as to why I'm single, I don't know. I guess I'm just fundamentally unlovable as a human being. I mean, like, leave me alone. Yes. That was one of the worst, worst things when I was app dating is I would get that all the time. Like, why are you still single? Why has nobody married you yet? You seem pretty great. Like, what's wrong? Oh, I guess I'm just a human disaster. Thanks no. for the interest. Well, Bye. that's, you're better than I am. I was like, well, I guess because I keep talking to idiots like you. Yeah. That's probably my problem is as I keep, I keep choosing to entertain people who ask me stupid questions like why i'm still like why the right. fuck are you still single why, why did your marriage end why, where did you fuck up there buddy <laughs> give me the best response because she also knows this person she was like you should have just shot back to him like i'm not sure but i know exactly why you are <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> that is good i know i need to, I need to use that for next that week. is good so she's going to leave and colin is the only person down there with her by the door he's come down and um he tells her that he enjoyed her report where her ass landed in the camera and uh, says that he was delighted that things didn't work out with Daniel Cleaver, a.k.a. Hugh Grant. And then he apologizes for being uh, so rude on New Year's and explains that the ugly sweater was a gift from his mom. She does it every year. And then tells her that he likes her just the way she is, which is the sweetest thing. Gentlemen, listen up. Uh, but then Natasha comes to get Colin because they're, you know, working on a case. Some of the other some of their other attorney friends are there. So then, you know, later on, Renee is telling her friends what Colin said, and they were... They were like, one of them said, well, fuck me. Because <laughs> they, they've already heard the story about, like, he fucked yes. Daniel Cleaver's fiance. So, like, yes. they already think that he's. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they all, they've already heard the stories, too, about, you know, like, the turkey curry buffet right. and, like, right. the event. And, you know, and also just when you're used to kind of dating at this stage of your life in general, they're like, well, he didn't say he would like if you were 
thinner or smarter or, you know. She's like, nope. He just straight up said just the way I am. So now we're on November 9th. It is her 33rd birthday. And uh, she has to go cover a human rights case because there's this big decision being made today. And she pops out to get some cigarettes. And Colin is there behind her in the convenience store. And it turns out that she missed the defendants in the case. Like, while she was getting cigarettes, they left and nobody knows what happened. But, fun turn of events, because Colin is a human rights barrister, he is their lawyer. And so he decides to give Renee an exclusive interview. And her boss is thrilled. And she is a really cute interviewer. Like, obviously they're talking about, like, if they hadn't won and he'd been sent back to his country, like, he would have been killed. And, like, you know, they've been fighting for so hard. And then she ends it by asking his wife if she fancied him the first time she saw him. Like, it's, it's really sweet. So her boss is super happy. So she goes home to cook this big birthday feast for her friends. All right? She's going to cook a birthday dinner. Maybe she should be cooking for you. It's your birthday. I know. But you would do something like I that. <laughs> so she can't cook for shit. And she's, like, making a huge mess. Um, her mom calls because Julian is being awful and, you know, begins to talk to her about her sex life. And Renee's like, yeah, I got to go. Like, not my problem. And then there's a knock on the door. And who is there? But Colin Firth, a.k.a. Mark, Mark Darcy. Darcy. And uh, he tries to help her, but she's ruined most of it. <laughs> and, like, you know, she used blue string to hold some some things together at one point. And so then, you know, the soup turned blue because the, from the dye from the string. So um, the... the I don't even know how I read this book because I didn't even know who this person was, but she's using a cookbook from a chef named Marco Pierre White. Okay. He's, this is how, so this is how technically difficult and crazy that person is. <laughs> That's the chef that Gordon Ramsay apprenticed under. Yeah. So yeah. It, she was setting herself up a little yeah. bit there. Yeah. Like I couldn't do that. And right. I like cook a lot. Like yeah. obviously I'm not a professional chef, but like no, it's going like, to be hard. Like, maybe we need to stick to the book from like, Rachel Ray yeah, or like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, something, yeah, 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 something a little more basic. So he's like, okay, do you have eggs? And she's like, yeah, he's like, okay. So he makes omelets for everybody, which is like super cute. So they're kind of like flirting, you know, in the kitchen and her friends arrive and they're all super surprised to see him. And the food is awful, but they all, you know, like friends do, like they kind of try it and then they kind of laugh about it. And, you know, it's, it's all going well. And then they toast to Bridget and they say you know that they love her just the way she is that part makes me cringe every time because it's like clear that she <laughs> yes. like told them what he said but it's something like we've all been there like our friends have all done this to oh, us 100, oh, at some point 100% straight up did it to me like three weeks ago <laughs> or we I mean I've done it to my I friends mean, too I wasn't I wasn't mad about it because she was right but um but also okay so here's the thing though at this point I feel like she's starting to like vibe on him a little yes. bit which yes. is understandable because he seems he's being super lovely. charming and like wonderful but she still thinks she doesn't know Yet, yes, that the Daniel Cleaver story was a lie. Yes. And he doesn't he still have a girlfriend? That's where it's super complicated. Like at this point, he's never acknowledged that Natasha is his girlfriend. Yeah. But he also hasn't said that she isn't right. Because he's bringing her to things. Yeah. You know, but he'll still introduce her like as a friend or as a work colleague. OK, so we're getting there. But yes, yeah. at this point, it's, it's kind of up in the air as to what his relationship status is. So then. Of course, lo and behold, Hugh Grant arrives, a.k.a. Daniel Cleaver. Gross. And uh, he said, then he says the rudest thing. It's kind of a short little thing, then they move on, but it's super rude. He goes, is, yeah. oh, I thought you'd be alone. Like, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. 
Like, so you would thought because you're not in my life anymore, I'd be alone for my birthday. birthday. Like, it is so rude. So rude. It always has really bothered me that he said that and then, like, it's never addressed. But I think that that's the point is, like, he's a shitbag, so he's going to just drop this shitbag thing and then, like, move on, you know? Like, yes. So I think that that was, like, you know. And he's also, I mean, he's, like, the original fuckboy, right? So he's going to say that and then you're going to overlook it because he's handsome or rich or, like, whatever other thing is going on. Coming there at all. Right? Right. And he tells her that he was an idiot and he panicked and that she is the only one that can save him. That Laura dumped him when she saw that he was still in love with her. I'm like, I don't think that's what she saw, buddy. <laughs> but whatevs. So Colin pops his head into where they're talking. He's like, OK, well, I'm going to go. Like, bye. And Hugh Grant tries to bury the hatchet and Colin just kind of ignores him and then leaves. And then R- Bridget asks Dan O'Cleaver why he's here, right? Ask Hugh Grant why he's here. And doesn't he, like, kind of vaguely imply that, like, they're back together? Or, like, he makes it, he makes Mark seem like the outsider in that situation for sure, somehow. For sure. I like, can't remember how, why he, he d- I don't remember exactly what the word either is. Like, the, it's what like he says. It's like phrasing or he, something. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't write it down. But he definitely is like, yeah, why are you at my girlfriend's house anyway yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's not the case. So Colin Firth, a.k.a. Mark Darcy, comes back in and he's like, Okay, Cleaver, meet me outside. <laughs> so <laughs> Hugh Grant comes out and he's like, what the fuck, bro? And Colin punches him right in the face. Nice. And they get into this huge fist fight. And so the friends are on the sideline, right, debating, like, which side they're on, you know? <laughs> right? Because Colin has shagged Hugh's fiance, but Hugh treated Renee so badly, right? And Colin likes her just the way that she is. And so Colin and Hugh crash through the window of this restaurant. And th- that's when the fight ends, right? Obviously, when you've, when you've gone through glass... And so Hugh calls Colin Firth a wanker, which I love. I love British put downs. And uh, Colin Firth knocks him out. And so Renee yells at Mark Darcy and says that, you know, he is just as bad as the rest of them. And Hugh Grant tells Renee that they belong together. And Renee's like, oh, I deserve to be someone, be with someone who's like sure about me and doesn't do what you did and is like but nice to me. Why does that make her think that Mark is just as bad if he's punching the guy who sucks? That's not an equal equivalent. It's not. It's not. Like, she really, I will say, she fucks up here. Yeah. Like, he's, well, I don't condone physical violence. He is trying to be, like, the good guy, right? And, like, stand up, you yeah. know, for, for what's happening. So it's Christmas Day, and Renee is at her dad's watching the Home Shopping Network, right? They're watching <laughs> Julian and her mom. And uh, it's late, so she goes to bed, and her mom comes home, and her parents talk it out, right? And they're, they're back together. So now it is December 26th, and they head to the Darcy's. So, Mark Darcy, a.k.a. Colin First Parents, uh, for their ruby wedding party. How many years is that? 40. Jeez Louise. <laughs> I know that because my parents just celebrated theirs. Um, isn't that cute? Yeah. I know. Renee finds out through this whole debacle and, you know, her parents, like, trying to get her going. She doesn't want to go. And she finds out because her mom lets it out of the bag that's actually Hugh that slept with Colin's wife. So we learn that, you know, Colin Firth had gotten married. Hugh Grant had been his roommate in Cambridge and his best man. And Colin Firth came home on Christmas Eve and found Hugh Grant in bed with his wife. Right. And he basically just told the story but switched out his character. Exactly. Exactly. So now we learn that Hugh Grant has lied. And so Renee's like, oh, my gosh, like, I have to go fix something. Like, she goes, wait for me. You know, she goes, rushes and get ready and goes with her parents. So they get to Colin Firth's parents' house. And Renee tries to talk to him. But, of course, Natasha's there. And Renee does manage to apologize and explain that he had lied. And she tells Mark Darcy, a.k.a. Colin Firth, that she likes him just the way he is. Which is also sweet because Natasha has, throughout this whole movie, kind of done, in some ways, a kind of a standard girlfriend thing. But it is pretty shitty. 
where like she kind of picks at Mark. Yeah. You know, like, oh, don't do that. Don't stand there. Don't touch that. Hold like that sort of thing. Even like when she goes to like come retrieve him into the other room at the dinner party, like he's he's talking. Yes. Having conversations. And she's like, come now. Yeah. What like what are you doing? Like, why are you down here? Yeah. The part that like makes me love him so much is when Bridget Jones says like Daniel told me that it was his fiance and you broke his heart. And Colin Firth goes, No, it was my fiance and my broken mm-hmm. heart. It's mm-hmm. so cute. Because he just is like, it's, he's like a little boy almost it's in that so moment. Sweet. Like, it's so precious. Yeah. He's like, No, he's like, I was the one that was very much hurt by that. <laughs> so, the, you know, they're at this anniversary party and Colin Firth's dad makes this big speech, announces that actually Mark Darcy is going to New York City. He's been, you know, going to work at the law firm of Abbott and Abbott. And then Natasha is going with him. And he kind of alludes to them being engaged, you know, that she she um, is his partner-in-law and, like, well, hopefully she'll be something else in law very soon. And Colin just looks super uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I always thought that was really weird. Because it not, is. Like, he's not saying, and they're engaged. Like, he's kind of just... Yeah, he's kind of... Yeah. Like, exactly. He's almost being like... like are they or... No, because he's yeah, almost like, come much. on, we like yeah. her. Like, everybody yeah. likes her. And because Natasha's like, oh, I wish I was, you know, I was hoping he wouldn't say anything. And Colin's like, oh, the fuck, dad? Like, <laughs> she, like, what are you saying? So Bridget Jones, Renee Zellweger, in characteristically awkward moment, just yells out. And she goes, no, no. And then she kind of plays it off like she's upset because England will be losing such an amazing legal mind. <laughs> such an amazing barrister. And um, she said for her country. Yeah. She's like, we'll be she's like, we'll be losing one of our top people. And then she does look at him and goes like looks him right in the face and goes, the top person, really? Oh. I know. It's so freaking sweet. <laughs> um, so then, you know, we see this kind of montage scene where like Renee is taking the train back to London and Colin is flying and landing in NYC. And so this is we don't know how much time. Right. Maybe it's New Year's weekend. A few weeks later, whatever. It's winter time. It's the weekend. And Renee Zellweger's friends show up at her place, and they're going to take her to Paris for the weekend and take her mind off of Mark Darcy. Ugh, my cousins are always doing shit like that. And oh, it yeah. Always, it chaps my ass. Yeah. Like, they could just go, like, fly up to, like, whatever. Like, my one cousin had her birthday party in Venice. Yeah. And, of course, like, me and my mom were the only rubes who had never been to Venice before, and they were all <laughs> like, oh, this is my favorite restaurant. I mean, they were not like that at all, obviously. I love them very much. They're not like... No, but it's like we... Yeah, You're, it's a very different life when you live in Europe. It's yeah, upsetting. Very different. And, life. The, and they all cannot wrap their minds. Well, okay, I think my cousin understands, but because she's an expat, and I think my cousin, I got through to him a couple years ago when one time when I was there. But for the for the most part, they're all like, "Why do you want to live here?" <laughs> <laughs> for most other places, I would say that, but New Orleans is pretty cool. Oh, they mean like, why do you want to live in Europe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's why. So we can just do things like go to right. fun exactly. other countries. Exactly. If I'm going to be a plane right away, I'm from my fa- from like my nephews, I'm going to live here. Yeah. Or I'm going to live in London. Yeah. Like those are the yeah. options. So like it, it is pretty on par. Yeah. But I yeah. get that for sure. So they're, you know, they're all about to leave. Like, right. Renee is locking up and Mark Darcy shows up and he tells her that her speech was excellent. Her speech at the Ruby wedding party. And um, she's like, well, I thought you were in New York. He's like, well, I was. He's like, but I had to come home because I forgot something and she's like oh what and he's like i forgot this and he kisses her goodbye which is the sweetest thing and um he says he's not going to america anymore and that natasha's staying in america so like whatever sort of semblance of anything they still don't ever actually address what they were but like 
whatever it was or whatever she was trying to make happen is like clearly done. So her friends like start cheering and honking, right? Because they're witnessing this whole thing. And they leave her. So Colin and Renee go up to her place and he starts to kiss her neck. And, you know, like clearly shit's about to go down. And she says she'll be right with him. So she goes into her bedroom to change into like sluttier panties, which learned her fair. lesson. From, I mean, I get that, right? Incident. So, she, you know, she's changing. And while this is all going on, he finds her diary. And she's left it open, and there's, you know, a bunch of mean stuff that she's written about him from, like, okay, weeks prior. Okay, that's rude. Well, it's laying right there. and okay, she had so told you your eyes. She, <laughs> she had told him to find a magazine to read, and it was right there with the magazines. So he sees it and leaves. And so then she comes out, realizes that he's seen it, and so she chases after him in her underwear through the London streets in as the snow. As As you would. And so she's running all around looking for him, and she finds him coming out of a shop. And she's, you know, she's apologized. Like, it's just a silly diary. Like, it doesn't mean anything, you know, yada, yada, yada. And he goes, I know. He's like, that's why I bought you a new one. He's like, so we could make a new start. Oh. Which is so cute. And they kiss in the street and he wraps her up in her coat because she's. In her underwear. In her underwear. And that's where the movie ends. Which, by the way, fun fact, in England, pants are underwear. Correct. So don't talk about your pants and how they're wet to random people yeah. when you've been walking around in the rain all your day. Your trousers are wet. Or your jeans. Yeah. Or any other word because yeah. I was there for like three days when my cousin was like, you have to stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to stop telling people how wet your pants are. Yeah. we <laughs> And a friend in college who was British. And it happened one time we were like walking to class and it was like crazy raining and she like, she's like, oh. She's like, my jeans are getting so wet. And I was like, well, roll your pants up. And she was like new enough in America that she hadn't like heard anybody say that to her yet. And she was like, what? <laughs> She's like, uh, how? I don't really know. And I was like, help. roll your pants up. And she was like, do you even roll my jeans up? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, what do you all call like your pants? And like we had this like really like crazy exchange where we finally realized that like we say underwear and she says pants. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> so for, so we've, you know, Hugh Grant has been already in like one or two things now. So we won't talk about his charity work. Oh, yeah. I need to rate this. I, I mean, this has to have both my boobs, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like definitely. in a slutty bra. Definitely. I mean, it's just, it's good. It's a comfort it's a watch. Comfort watch it's so sure, wonderful. Like, sure. yeah. You know, I, th- I think about that. The, the little like bit of like, I can choose to be really sad, but instead I choose vodka and Shaka Khan. Yes. Every time yes. I'm breaking up with some shit bag. Yes. Every time I yeah, do like it myself. Like I, I do think that this movie in general, for as old as it is at the time, did a pretty good job of avoiding some pretty problematic things. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. it just it just kind of... She took her power back and ended up picking out the right guy. Yeah. Like, it's all good. Could have a few fewer white people, but, you know. It's very yeah. white. Yeah. <laughs> so, Colin Firth... Over the years, has supported many charities, but his top two, per my Google search, uh, is Amnesty International and Oxfam. Oh, good for him. And Renee Zellweger has supported the Los Angeles LGBT Community Center, or LGBT Center. Oh. I shouldn't say community in there. It doesn't say community. Is it for, like, homeless youths? It yes. sounds like it's for homeless yes. youths. Yes. Yeah. I, they don't necessarily have to be homeless, but just, like, youths that need a safe place yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Bony Pony Ranch, <laughs> which I did look this up because I'm like, this sounds so odd. Yeah, but it's a ranch in California that is like a mentorship program for young adults, and it focuses on like the entertainment industry. Okay. But it's called the Bony Pony Ranch. 
or oh. Bonnie Pony. I don't know. It's B-O-N-Y. I feel like that's Boney. Yeah, I feel like if it was Bonnie, it'd be two N. Yes. So that was Bridget Jones' Diary. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Go watch, watch it right now. Like the subsequent ones, like the Bridget Jones or the second Edge of Reason, and then like Bridget Jones' Baby. I've only seen Bridget Jones' Baby once. Not as good, yeah. but still good. Like I yeah. highly recommend the franchise. It's, yeah, it's it's a good one. What are you doing next week? I am doing the two thousand one, maybe two thousand one Oscar Academy Award winning film Gladiator. Ooh, starring Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Russell Crowe's super hot. Like in that, I, I think I was very. I think I was young. No, I would have been, if it came out to, I don't know if I'm right. I think I was young when I watched it, so I wasn't, he seemed very old to me. Fair, yes, he is and old. And so I wasn't, but when I was watching it to, like, refresh, there were times where I was like, he was hot He was movie. fucking hot, yeah. He yeah. Was hot <laughs> he is, and now he's, like, he, now he is kind of dad bod, yes. salt and pepper, like, yeah. just, like, but, yeah, and, and he. No, were, like, he got ripped, like, he was, yeah. he was hot in that movie. Yeah. Next week, I am doing the 2009 Tyler Perry movie, I Can Do Bad All By Myself which Lucy and I talked a little bit about before we started recording today. So I'm excited to share with her why Taraji P. Henson fucking kicks ass in this movie. I'm excited to hear and that. And then, of course, Adam Rodriguez is in it, which he has kind of like a background role in Magic Mike. Mm-hmm. But now mm-hmm. he is front and center as the hottie with a heart of gold. <laughs> we love him. We do. Well, join us next week for episode 23, which is definitely the correct It number. is. Yeah. Good job. Good job. <laughs> and... In the meantime, if you want to see good butts, you got to watch bad movies. Goodbye. Bye.